handle the truth. Should we or should we not follow the advice of the galactically stupid? Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe fuck yourself. You're all a bunch of fucking assholes. You know why? You don't have the guts to be what you want to be. You need people like me. You need people like me so you can point your fucking fingers and say, that's the bad guy. Clearly, don't know who you're talking to, so let me clue you in. I am not in danger, Skyler. I am the danger. A guy opens his door and gets shot, and you think that of me? No. I am the one who knocks. everybody to another episode of the righteous prick podcast i am your host jl covan it is sunday november 28th 349 eastern time in the year of our lord 2021 how are we uh doing this on sunday because this week is a the next few weeks for me are very busy because the day job is extremely busy and i'm also doing like a podcast a day for the next several days so the good news is uh you'll be able to hear me on a lot of different things talking about a lot of different things um tonight um i'm doing a show called this is bad but i believe it's called name your band but i'll be sharing it on social media so please uh follow me on at least one platform and follow me on all of them uh if you can but uh, then this is Righteous Prick. I will probably put this up tonight or or post about it Monday. Then I'm doing Pete Dominic's show, Stand Up with Pete Dominic, which you should listen to. I've obviously spoken uh, effusively of, of Pete, as well as of uh, Rod and Karen of The Black Guy Who Tips, whose show I'm doing Tuesday. All that on top of, obviously, Wednesday's release of Making Podcasts Great Again. So... That, by my count, is five podcasts in three days. Not afraid of exhausting my already spent capital as an entertainer. Um, For anybody who's new to this, that's Ron Reagan Jr. And he's become sort of an unofficial co-host of the show. Or sidekick, not co-host. He doesn't get that much time. But he's sort of the the Ed McMahon of my my brain. Um, And uh, as you can probably guess, Ron Reagan Jr. is the son of President Ronald Reagan. Um, but he's also an incredibly condescending, uh, smarmy atheist and a general detractor of his family. So he's a real interesting, fun character. So after he had this series of ads for some sort of, I think it was like a separation of church and state with like a real hardcore atheist bend to it, he would end the commercials by going, I'm Ron Reagan Jr., 
not afraid of burning in hell. So I've basically just adopted that as sort of an unofficial mantra of the show, even though I, as a nice Catholic, am in fact afraid of burning in hell. But anyway, um, let's not, we, we, we usually organically get to dark topics. We don't have to uh, introduce the eternal flames of perdition in the first few minutes of the podcast to get to a negative space. We'll get there eventually. Um, I'm also thinking about renaming the show um, so that people can find it easier. Um, the J.L. Covan show, but then people would have to spell my name. I don't know. I don't know. Righteous Prick has uh, been the name of the show for 10 years with only like a year and a half off in between when I was really contemplating quitting comedy. Um, and... Uh, what else? Maybe some new artwork. Commission some artwork from somebody. Um, no, no, I think I gave you an update on Half Blackface uh, last week, so no need to get into that. But uh, no change. Uh, we're just we're 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 in a holding pattern, and we're just uh, you know mainly prayer is our best bet right now for the success of Half Blackface. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, uh, you know, I, I, they, maybe that'll be the title of my memoir as a failed comedian. It'll be, Jesus is my agent. <laughs> Parentheses, uh, I need a new agent. <laughs> Angering both evangelicals and angry atheist entertainers. Uh, so that's that. I'm trying to think of there. Uh, obviously gigs. No, um, no new gigs to report. I'm sending out some emails to clubs um, this week which will most likely not be answered. You know, clubs I've got like a 10-year relationship with that just decided they weren't going to answer my emails anymore. Um, so that's fun. Uh, but going to send those out. But right now the gigs remain the same. Uh, December 9th, Pittsburgh Improv, getting like some some nice people have been saying they've already got their tickets, which is always uh, appreciated. Um, Pittsburgh Improv. Then DC Improv. Those are huge. DC Improv, uh, December 16th to the 19th. Uh, January 7th and 8th, Harrisburg Comedy Zone. Um, you know it's a top-flight operation when you're f under six weeks till your show, and they're like, yeah, they don't update the website that far out. And it's like, I know you're paying me like I don't have fans, but could we pretend like we want tickets to get sold? Because, shockingly, I've had multiple requests for a ticket link to Harrisburg, and um, it's a kind of operation where they don't post ticket links, I guess, um, outside of four or five weeks. Very bizarre. Doesn't give me a lot of confidence. But, you know, it's reps and it's it's I will make a profit on the sh on the shows and it won't cost me any day vacation days at work. And it's reps. It's reps for my material. So um, with bigger shows on the horizon. But it's just so 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 Harrisburg is the 7th and 8th of January. January 27th, Chicago Improv. That ticket link should be up this week. It was supposed to be up last week. Once again, guys, just to prove that it's not all me bitching about the business, I can't, at this point, it's like, you know, I've got to have a ticket link to sell tickets. Like, I'm trying to make your business money. Could you make it a little easier for me and give me a ticket link? Major clubs, shitty clubs and major clubs seem to, like, just drag their feet on ticket links. And it's like, this is the one part of the business that you we are in agreement I need to do well on. And you hamper that ability by dragging your feet um, so that I keep having to tell people for weeks, like, Yep, ticket link coming soon, coming soon. And then it's like, are they going to think I'm... Anyway, 
you get. I'm I'm just bitching, but 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 it just tells you the general culture of comedy is just it's it's um it the, the goal of comedy is to hold comedians to the highest most rigorous business standards and to hold them everyone else holds themselves to a fly by night who gives a fuck operation so ticket links for that should be up uh this week after that it's the San Jose Improv in NorCal on February 2nd flappers in burbank that's a big show folks they're all honestly they're all big shows i just i don't know i I would love to have big crowds for all of them but who knows on february 6th then i go to utah for a few days well i go to vegas for one night but that's just a gamble and uh give myself a break in between la and salt lake um and then utah for three days where i will see two jazz games and then i have february 10th off and I'm going to contact a club in Utah to see if they will do a Thursday show. They will probably tell me to go fuck myself in sort of polite ter- terms. And I'll be like, okay, then I guess I'm just going <clears> to <throat> go to a, I don't know, milk and cookies bar in Salt Lake City uh, on, on my off night or something. I don't know. Play board games with some Mormons. You know, just we'll do something fun. But um, so that's the schedule. And after that, there's no gigs. But I can tell you that in February, the other stuff that will be happening will be the dramatic debut of this person talking to you right now on a major cable drama. Hopefully that doesn't fucking suck. Not the show, but me personally. Um, people always say, hey, they'd have, I'd ask you to keep take, take, doing takes if they didn't like it. And I'm like, yeah, but I, I don't want them to just like it. I want them to have been very happy with it. So then there's a chance that I will be happy with it. Um, and then we'll see. Hopefully by then we'll, we'll, we'll have a special buyer or release date or it will be out. And I will get a publicist and do everything I can to uh, augment my career off of those two achievements, the cable drama debut and the special. And um, if that all doesn't work, then uh, I have permission from my friend David, a former co-worker who was at the taping of Half Blackface, well, after the show. He And he's one of those guys who sometimes uh, tells me, like, I had to turn off the show. It was too depressing. And I go, well, that's not going to help my depression. <laughs> But I understand, I understand, but it's counterproductive to sell somebody who's already on a uh, a bender of a, uh, I, some people go on alcohol benders, I go on like negativity benders. So it's tough to tell somebody on a negativity bender, by the way, you're too negative, so I'm going, to, it just feeds itself. But I understood, I understood his point. But he came up to me and eloquently said after um, Half Blackface, he said, if this doesn't get you where you want to be, then you can kill yourself. So that said, I have permission from a friend to kill myself if all this doesn't work. So the late night credits, the viral videos spanning eight years, the hundreds of thousands of miles traveled this country, staying in shitty hotels on Greyhound buses, late night trains, shitty planes, decent planes. Um, you know, the six, the seven albums as a stand-up comedian, the two albums as Trump, the national media coverage, um, the special, the cable drama debut, etc. When you put that all together, it doesn't sound like that should be somebody who fails, especially when in their final year they put out their greatest special, their greatest album, and make their cable drama debut. But 
that's probably where we'll be. So we'll see. By my birthday, I should be under 240 pounds, so I will be at my life, my goal life weight with some abs and some veins in my arms and blood flow to my cock and all those other things you don't really want to hear me talk about. And uh, <laughs> and then it'll be time to be like, hey, I've got my health. Um, I've done good work. It's time for the next chapter of my life, which at six foot seven and supremely angry all the time, the next chapter of my life could be anywhere between five weeks and six months. Uh, well, not between. It could be the, on the low end. It could be between five weeks and six months or it could be uh, 20, 30, 40 years. But uh, the point is, I think, you know, if I were if I were if 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 gambling websites could could offer you prop bets on my life, the, the parlay would be. There would be two parlays I would recommend you guys playing. One is JL Special Mirac, like the long shot bet. JL Special gets picked up by an, a platform and he gets like horrible medical news. Or the reverse of that. JL, nothing happens for JL based on his cable drama or stand up special. And he lives till 85 and doesn't know what the hell he's going to do with the remaining majority of his life. So you just got to bet on a horrible combo and either a tragic irony or a long lasting malaise. So if you can make those prop bets anywhere, I would urge you to make both of those bets because they'll be either one. You can you can lose money on either because the, the odds on either is so are so huge that one payoff will just take care of your grandkids college education. So there's some gambling advice for you folks. Um right now as far as my DraftKings bets, I haven't done any game bets recently, but I am very happy still with my Steph Curry for MVP at a plus 900 and the Jazz 52.5 over under still feels like it's probably going to be a good bet as well. So, you know, if I don't make any stupid bets, which I of course will, for the rest of the season, um, I, I stand in good position to have a, a, a year in the black on the gambling front. Um, I'm trying to think if I had other things to talk about. I feel like this this week I've just been swamped with day job work so much that like I'm just I, I work out, I do work, I try to watch like a program or a movie at night, and then I just like pass out. Like by like 10:45, I'm like passing out. Um, in bed. It's not even going to sleep. It's just more like, um, so, uh, I wish I could sleep longer, but, uh, maybe, you know, maybe a, a 20 more pounds and giving up comedy will, will help me finally sleep, uh, properly. That would be a, a lovely development if I do say so myself. Um, oh, I got into some trouble. Not really, but I wrote about, uh, Dave Chappelle, um, this this weekend, over the holiday weekend, and basically my my argument with Chappelle is twofold. Okay, one of the great comedians, of course, never has been my guy, but I acknowledge he's he is he is a respectable choice if he's your favorite or greatest. He's there is an argument to be made for him on both fronts, so I get it. I think sometimes people conflate his sketch work with his stand up, and it augments it. Uh, in people's minds, but but no, an excellent stand-up comedian, some some classic specials. My personal favorite is Age of Spin, uh, not Killing Him Softly, which is you know most people's favorite. My favorite special of all time is of course Chris Rock's Bring the Pain, which is why Chris Rock is sort of embedded in my heart as my all-time favorite. Um, even if the total body of work of his hasn't had he you know he 
he had a comedy career more like an athlete where he was just explosive and raw and thoughtful and it had an energy to it that really only I think works with a sort of a younger comedian. Like it's hard to keep, you know, look at Eminem, you know, he could generate all that angsty skinny guy rage for only so long. And then he had to start relying on more like lyrical skill and production but but those first few albums were really like you know top notch but you know you eminem's gonna be like 50 soon and it's like he's not like he can manufacture some shock but it's just not going to be as raw anymore I, I feel like you know maybe maybe Chappelle is more the jay-z type even though i'm not like a huge jay-z fan but maybe where the your your lyrical style uh lends itself to to aging better than sort of a angsty angry aggressive kind of delivery i don't know that analogy might not make sense but maybe it does but um but Chappelle obviously has gotten in some some hot water with his his trans stuff and his uh homophobic slur usage and and my 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 argument has been simply twofold one is i'm not interested in anybody's justification for using slurs especially when not as a joke like that's that and that that seems to be lost on so many people. Like a guy came back at me on Twitter. I basically here's what I basically said on on Twitter, which was like um and Facebook was basically he is trying to justify picking on a marginalized community and using homophobic slurs. I disagree and I don't think there's much justification and I think I'm on better footing because he's not even really doing it in joke form half the time. Half the time he's doing it as sort of an intellectual defense of his work, not as a joke. Chris Rock once had a joke that I didn't laugh at, I didn't like it because I just I don't I don't like people using the F word. You know, I, I used it as a teenager and then I matured and, and was exposed to other things. And by the time I was like 21, I was like disgusted by the word. I, I would like say things to people if, if they used it. And I've gotten into arguments with friends and stuff over not like friendship ending arguments. But but, you know, it just to me, it's there's no justification for it at all. Um, people have been beaten and murdered with that name being wrung out in, in, in their ears as one of the last things they hear on Earth. Um, so I don't, I don't sort of, I have, I brook no dissent. How about that? Uh, when it comes to people going, no, no, but you got to understand. No, I don't. Then there's his stuff about trans people. Now, Dave Chappelle in one of his earlier Netflix specials, maybe the first, maybe Age of Spin or the one, the one that came out either Age of Spin or the one that came out with Age of Spin. I believe he had some trans jokes. He joked about some some person walking into an office and like chopping off their dick and throwing it on the conference table. I laughed. Would I sit here and go that wasn't offensive or that it wouldn't offend marginalized people? No, it, it most certainly could, and I think it did. And that's that's the part of comedy that I will sort of defend. I won't demand that everybody find it funny or not. Or, or take a joke or don't be. No, I get it. I get it if you've experienced certain things or whatever. But that's where I'll defend it in terms of, oh, he's making a joke and it was funny. I know he was pushing boundaries. But this idea that people have allowed, especially Chappelle, where it's like, I like his comedy, so now I'm going to let him intellectually push me in places and push other people in places, even when he's not in a joke mode. 
that's where I go, well, no, because you can find a lot better thinkers and intellectuals than Dave Chappelle. I'm not saying he's stupid, but if we're just, if we take comedy out of the equation, I don't think, I, I don't think Dave Chappelle is necessarily the most profound social thinker that we've got walking the earth. Um, it's the comedy skills that he brings to bear that elevate him in any discussion or, or value. And one of the people who wrote on my thing, like a bunch of people were like, stop being jealous, dude. I'm like, why did, and, and, and they're like, that's like, people love to project. They project two things. They project jealousy because I'm bigger and better than you'll ever be random person on Twitter who's telling me I'm jealous. You're jealous of me because I have a platform and I've built that platform with my skills. Um, other people will say, will say things like stick to your Trump impressions or all he's selling out arenas. All you have is Trump impressions. Well, first off, I'm going to say this again. Half blackface. If you heard me last week, I didn't make an exception for this. This will stand tall against any comedy you hear this year, except for Dave Chappelle, who's the greatest of all time. No, 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 no. Half blackface. Can st will, will stand toe to toe with with whatever Dave Chappelle is 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 spoken word nonsense he's putting out right now, and I I I genuinely believe that I genuinely believe in in a neutral objective party watching half blackface would say it's better than the closer. Oops, I did it. I said it. So I sit here not jealous because I made a fucking A plus special in October of 2021. A plus. Um, I can be very objective about my work. I could rank my work and point out every critique of everything I've ever done better than anybody else who hates me could. But so I don't sit, proclaim this from a place of jealousy. Secondly, um, it was also weird to see people defending Chappelle on a post where I'm not saying Chappelle's a bad comedian. I'm not saying Chappelle has no right to make jokes. I made the point within what I wrote, which was, and when you're not even doing it with jokes, fuck off. Like, cause now you want that blanket protection of, well, I'm a comedian, but you're not telling a joke. Like, you know, reductio ad absurdum, again, using that Latin phrase from my legal days, um, which are still going on because I have a legal day job, so I don't know why I acted like it was in the past. Uh, he, if, if, a, if a comedian murders somebody, I know it's not the same thing, okay? It's called, it's, I'm, I'm making an, a point. I know it's not the same thing. But if a comedian murders somebody and says, uh, <laughs> I'm a comedian, take a joke, we'd all go, no, uh, take a life sentence in prison. If a comedian makes hurtful statements as a defense of themselves or an intellectual rationalization for their beliefs and there's no punchline and there's no joke and there's no setup and there's no story, then fuck off as well because this is you making a statement. And what was great is several of the people when they were done calling me jealous or you know, projecting their jealousy on me and saying, oh, you just, why don't you sell? And I, I'm like, I'm, I'm really good at this. And yes, I'm not Chappelle. And I never will be. Like I... I, the the amount of the, the the it's just not it's not in the realm of like possibility that I could ever get to that level and that's okay with me I wouldn't I don't really want to be at that level I I do want that respect for my work but but I probably will never achieve that either but that's uh, whatever but the other thing was people arguing with me and saying he was actually making some good points and that they don't even understand because sometimes I really do feel like I'm I'm dealing with people who are my intellectual inferior to a large degree 
where then it becomes, well, and I don't mean that as like a, oh, I'm so much smart. I'm talking, uh, Ron Reagan, not afraid of calling everyone else an idiot. But I'm talking about some of these knuckleheads on uh, 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 social media where I'm like, you might, I don't know if you're just so committed to defending Dave Chappelle or if you're actually really stupid or a combination of both, but it becomes fruitless to, to try and illustrate your point. But what they do is they sort of tell on themselves like you're so let me get this straight. You're telling me I'm jealous and I should stick to Trump impressions because you want to defend Dave Chappelle's um, not his right to say these things, but his correctness in using homophobic slurs and denigrating trans people, not through joke, but through like, as you just put it, making some good points. You've just made my point and you don't even realize it. So why should I spend the time trying to educate you or break down the linguistics so that you understand you are actually endorsing his serious statements and not his humor? So it's it's a very frustrating uh, sort of thing. And one of the things I did say is I said the next time Dave Chappelle says the F word, uh, somebody should punch him in the mouth. And then some guy wrote, a lawyer advocating violence is the is the height of retardation. So I was like, well, you seem like a cool dude. Um, but also, of course, it was in a larger point where I was like, yeah, this isn't a literal call to violence. But let me tell you that if Dave Chappelle said, if a white dude came up to a black person and called him the N word with a hard R, he should punch him in the fucking mouth. And people would clap and people would be like, well, that's, those are fighting words like that. We, you, but if you just willy nilly, if you're demanding your right to use the F word, then, you know, I, I, I don't know why anybody would even have a problem with like busting him in the mouth. I'm not talking about beating him, but I'm like a, a, a reaction. And I'm not like actually advocating violence, but I'm like, we, whenever a dude, I, I've seen videos, like world star videos of like some white guy yelling the N word at a black dude. And then he like knocks him out and it gets shared because people are like, yep, that's what you get. Whereas like the F word somehow has this like, but we don't mean it like that. Well, <laughs> would you let, a, would you let, would you let a white guy get away with it because he's listened to rap music and he just likes saying it around you? Or if he was a stranger that you don't know and he just says it around you. And yes, there'll be exceptions to that, of course. But generally speaking, people would be like, uh-uh, you can't say it. So... Um, you know, I, I think Chappelle is obviously a great comedian. I think uh, he's entered some new kind of black libertarian rich guy Rogan's headspace where he's just, you know, decided that it's not even like I don't even think it's free speech he's defending. It's like Dave Chappelle speech he's defending. He's like, I want the right to say what I want to say without repercussions or criticisms. Um and it's it's weird and it's and it's frankly sort of pathetic and um you know people act like i'm trying to and and one guy said to me he was like you're trying to just boost yourself up by some other comedian that's lame let your talent speak for itself and i was just like well if you were falling in 2020 my talent did exactly just that did that exactly secondly uh you're not even really right because the last time i roasted a comedian louis ck i went viral even though my intention was not to be like Oh, look at this guy attacking Louis K. I was just like, I have a good impression and a really funny idea for a video that's going to like make fun of the biggest comedian in the world. Um, so that all said, 
I'm, I'll be very happy not to address the Dave Chappelle stuff anymore because, um, you know, I got my own shows to do and uh, my own special to hopefully promote within the next few months. So I think that's really it. I just have uh, my next book. I just began my next book, uh, The Contrarian, which is about Peter, the- Peter Thiel, um, the gay libertarian um, Trump-supporting tech entrepreneur power powerhouse. Um, so uh, that should be a good read. And a lot of trips coming up. So I'm really going to start to probably mow through some books. So that, that'll feel – that'll be fun. Um, and what else? Uh, so that's books. So I don't have a new book review. All I can say is I couldn't give a higher recommendation to the book Alpha than I did last week. So hopefully some of you are uh, checking that out because it's fucking amazing. Um, I finished uh, Only Murders in the Building on Hulu season one. Um, enjoyed it. Didn't love it. Love Martin Short. Liked the series. Selena Gomez. Can we do something about your voice for season two? Tim Kono. We we kept go- walking around my apartment going, Tim Kono. Like it's almost like they picked a name of a victim that would sound most awful coming out of her voice. Do you guys know where Tim Kono is? Guys, where's Tim Kono? I kept saying it reminded me of uh, Matt Damon in Team America, the puppet movie, the, the amazing movie from the South Park creators uh, that you should watch immediately if you haven't seen it. But Matt Damon, it's not quite that bad, obviously, but guys, we have to find out who killed Tim Kono. Um, but it was it was decent. But like I said, Martin Short, you got to. You gotta, you gotta royally fuck up to get me not to watch a Martin Short program. Uh, I think I watched every episode of Mulaney's failed show simply because the five minutes where Martin Short was in it were uh, great and just made me go, why don't you just give Martin Short a show? He's kind of a well-known brand in comedy. Why can't he get a show? Uh, but there, those are my takes. Uh, and then, um, okay, so three books, not books, movies. The opposite of a book. Not afraid of mixing up media. Um, and I know I'm probably forgetting something. Uh, I found out my uh, I have a, uh, a homeless buddy who I didn't know was homeless. Um, this guy, Washington, who lives in my – not lives. Just I always saw him around my neighborhood. And when I was jogging – going back to 2020, um, when I was still jogging before my meniscus got torn up and I got fat and depressed – and we've been undoing that work ever since, folks. I know you know I'm on my my weight loss journey, self-care. Uh, the I would see this guy, and he didn't look homeless. Um, he was usually at a bus stop, um, not like in six different coats or any kind of shit like that. But he started just waving at me when I would jog, and he'd say, Hey, big man, you know, the traditional greeting for me from strangers that are nice. And I'd, I'd say, hey, what's going on? And then he would see me with the righteous girlfriend walking through. He'd go, hey, how you doing? No running today? So it was very nice. It was very nice. Like, it was very neighborly. Um, and I just started, I think, one, then I started, obviously the pandemic hit. And I started to have uh, a lot of financial success last year. And, you know, I was looking for ways to unload some of my money. So I was giving the charities and stuff. But, but I... I, I don't know when I got the vi- – I think I got the vibe from him and I, I – he never – he didn't ask me for anything ever. But I don't know when it happened when it just kind of hit me. I was like, oh, I think this guy's like kind of down on his luck. So I gave him like a 10 
He was like, oh, man, thank you. And that's when I knew. I was like, oh, cool. Like, and it may, I don't want to say I felt bad, but I was like, oh, yeah, because, because, you know, I think he was doing like odd jobs in the neighborhood or like clean up stuff or something because he would say, oh, there's a dude who gives me some work like once a week over here. Like I just got to talking to him. Um, and I know his name is Washington. I think he, he went by like a – he told me I think it's like, you know, I don't want to say street name, but it, like, he was like, but call me Polo. And I was like, okay. Uh, but I, for some reason I remembered Washington more. But uh, I would then see the guy. And then from time to time he'd say, hey, can you help me out? So I'd give him, I'd give him like a 20 when I see him. Um, and so I didn't see him for a while because most of the time I would see him was on my walk to the bakery. And as you know, the bakery is uh, not a place I need to be going as much anymore. But I saw him a few weeks ago and I had a 20. I actually ran into him on the bus one time. We were coming back from what movie? We come back from Bond? We might have been coming back from the James Bond movie and, you know, you're masked up in, in, in your coats and everything. And he gets on the, the bus and he kind of looked at me and I was like, huh? And he's like, hey. And I was like, oh, shit. How are you? And we were about to get off. And he, and he, he, he leaned into me and said, any chance you can help me out? I'm not doing that great. And I felt bad. And I had a five on me. So I was like, oh, yeah, they're, they're like, absolutely. And I've, I've always felt like it was just weird because this guy never asked me for a thing in like six months and he saw me pretty regularly and so i don't see him for like after the bond movie but then i see him and it might have been an early it might have been a movie before then it might not have been the bond movie it might have been whatever movie i saw before then but i then ran into him uh, a couple days before thanksgiving and i kept a 20 in my wallet i barely use cash anymore but i kept a 20 because i was like in case i see this dude it's thanksgiving like i i have not that he's like depending on me but like you know I was seeing him like once a week and now I've seen him like once every four months. So I gave him a 20 and he said, oh man, thanks. Thanks for looking out. I appreciate it. Have a good Thanksgiving if, if I don't see you before then. And then I said, how are you doing? Uh, and he said, and it made me very uh, sad, uh, but he said, oh man, I finally got, got, got an apartment. I'm not homeless anymore. And I was just like, Jesus Christ. Uh, because it was like it dawned on me like he, you, you don't think like I'm, I'm sh sure he was in like a, a men's shelter or something, not lit, not literally living on the street. Not that I know that, but I, you know, he had change of clothes and never seen, never, never, never smelled funky, never looked kind of totally out of it or anything. But I just thought to myself, I was like, God damn. The fact, like it, it made me just ponder this. Yes, of course, as the podcast is wont to do. Now I'm going down some sort of depressing, but you know, sociological thought experiment. But it was just like, if I was homeless for a month, I'd probably have like a psychological break. This guy, as far as I know, has been homeless for at least a year and it might have been for a long time. And all he was was nice and neighborly. And I thought to myself, I was like, what kind of strength does that take? And what kind of strength are we not tapping into with a person like this? Now, I don't know. Could this guy have a drug history? Could he have a criminal history? If you're playing the odds, the answer might be yes to both questions. But this is somebody who is as neighborly as anybody I've met in this community in two and a half years. He Never asked for a thing until I kind of volunteered. But if this was somebody down on his luck, he just still managed to just be nice. And that was it. 
And so it's nice to help him out knowing that he needs to help. But that, but it was like, it was like eye opening or like extra depressed. It, it was like extra, extra, like inspirational in a really morbid way, but also depressing to be like, so let me get this straight. You've just been without a home, but it, but you still seem to have this like kindness to you and this social social ability that that like most people I would imagine it would break them understandably um so I don't know I just I I I you know I've been walking that way a little bit more so so hopefully I'll see him more regularly but it's I mean it's great that he's got some apartment or 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 uh, you know you know he's got a place to live um but you know it, it just makes you think about so much where you're like I often think about this whenever I'm in like a store or, or a restaurant that's like when they have that employee that goes like above and beyond that you, you take notice and then you're like, why are you here? <laughs> like you kind of want to wonder like, why are you here? Because, or as Janos Poha said in Ghostbusters 2, why are you came? But, uh, <laughs> you know, sometimes you'll see something and you go, you you're too good for this job, it feels like. Or you should be training and teaching everybody else. You should be in a position to, to help this business get better. Sometimes just when you see somebody being extra helpful in like a minimum wage job, you're like, well, that's that's very nice and a pleasant experience. But I feel like you should it's, – it's a sad thing what we've done to work in minimum wage where it's like, you know, we should uh, – as Sherrod Brown would say, we have to value the uh, the dignity of work. And uh, this guy took it to a whole new level for me, Washington. I because I just it was just one of those things where I was just like, wow, this 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 would not be me if I were homeless for a while. This this and that, but then it makes you wonder, like, if this is a is this a a, a, a bad man on get, see, getting redemption, or is this a good man that society left behind, or somewhere in between? But you're just like. You're more neighborly than most of the people I run into in my own building, and you're homeless. So I, I, I part of me just felt good that I've given the guy probably a couple hundred bucks, <laughs> but at the same time you're like, what? What are we? And I, I'm sorry, it is one of those things where I go, what are? How, how can a society be a good society? We shouldn't homeless and mental health and all that stuff is is a crisis. But even on an individual level, it just makes me wonder where I go. If this guy, who seems to still have like kindness and social skills about him, despite facing, you know, the worst maybe that that one can experience at least in this country, then then what are we? How how what kind of place are we? Where like a person, a decent person who's still willing to 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 work odd jobs to try and get his ass out of shelters, if that dude isn't getting the support, he needs to at least be sustainable if not successful then what the fuck are we doing um i don't know i i i I, that popped into my head because i was i thought about it a couple of weeks ago and then like when i stopped recording last week i realized oh i didn't talk about that and this is what i do on this show i talk about uh you know usually angry experiences sometimes sad and then occasionally i manage to make them uh hilarious uh but yeah shout out to washington i don't think he listens to podcasts but who knows? Maybe if things keep perking up, you know, uh, I'll, I'll hook him up with, uh, with an iPhone. <laughs> no. um, but yeah, I don't. And it's and then it becomes one of those things like, how do you help? Like, what do you, you know, 
what what do you do for somebody? How can you help somebody stay stay in a, in a position to to succeed, or at least I, I think sustain would be the word. But you know, just some kind of sustainable life. Um, obviously, it was just it was weird because he just he mentioned he finally got an apartment, so it was obviously a big deal to him. But it was like, oh damn, like you don't even think like, oh this is guy who's maybe like struggling a little bit, but like you don't think necessarily, oh this guy's just taking the bus to some like Newark men's shelter uh, each night, which can't be pleasant. Um, and yet he, he is. So uh, I don't know if that's a human interest piece or uplifting or whatever, but that's, that's what goes on in my neighborhood, um, which I do like. I do enjoy Bloomfield, New Jersey. Uh, okay, three movies and then we'll go. How about that, folks? Um, first movie I saw Friday uh, afternoon, Spencer. Starring Kristen Stewart as uh, Princess Diana. Now, the guy who made this movie made a movie called uh, Jackie with Natalie Portman, which I fucking hated. Um, she got nominated for an Oscar um, for it. I hated her performance and I hated the movie. There. I don't think I need to give any more of a review for that. But it was drab, dreary. Her performance was like mon- – it was like a monotone impression of Jackie Onassis, but it was like – or Jackie Kennedy – and I think the movie takes place like, you know, like the, the the 10 hours after the JFK assassination. It was just, I don't know. It was a vehicle for Natalie Portman to be like, hello, everybody, what are you doing? Uh, I hated it. Then I saw Spencer got good reviews and I was like, but it's that guy who did the Diana movie. I mean, who did the Jackie movie, so it's probably not going to be good. But The Righteous GF wanted to see it, and I I often dictate a lot of the entertainment choices, so I figured, you know what, for Thanksgiving, we'll, we'll, we'll de- uh, uh, GF choice. Um, so we saw Spencer. Uh, I still don't like Kristen Stewart. I felt like it was like, if you've seen the movie, this like she was doing like the Diana Coy look, and it was almost like a, a video. It felt like a video game called Princess Diana, where like to score points, you had to do like a look down and a tilt your head over your shoulder and and look longingly or depressingly at someone. And it was like, wow, record high score. She's done that move 9,000 times in a 95-minute movie. Um, it wasn't terrible, though. That's There's enough in the movie and enough tension throughout the movie that it was like, a much better movie than Jackie. So I'll say that. But I left the theater being like, ah, eh, B minus. And I know some people be like, oh, you hated it? And I go, no, no, if I hated it, I would have said D or C minus or F. B minus was like, there are some good things about it. And uh, Kristen Stewart, I'm, I mean, she had a good accent. But I mean, did Princess Diana ever do anything that wasn't coy, meek, seductive, over the shoulder look? Or was that her entire existence? Is that like the thing she did 95 times a day, according to the movie? So that was the first movie. Then on Friday night, my nephew came over and we watched on Disney Plus Shang-Chi and the, the Legend of the, the Ten Bracelets. And uh, honestly, when I watched that movie, I felt like it was they took the template of Black Panther, but, but infused it with Asian actors and, and Asian, some Asian culture. Um, it was good. Uh, I, I wanted to like. I wanted to like it more. I think the stunt work was was incredible, and there were really good fight scenes. But I think my problem is just from my personal taste. I'm not a big fan of the mixing of genres. Like I like my action movies, action. I like my 
comic book movies, comic book, and like my fantasy movies, fantasy, because I like all those different genres. But like when it's like a Marvel movie with dragons, I'm like, mm, it's, I mean, it's good, but I, I just, you know, it just, it, 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 unlike Johnny Gill, it rubs me the wrong way. And so it was, but it was good. Like I didn't, I, 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 I'm also though glad that I like waited for Disney Plus. Like I think I'm at the point, and I, I don't know if I've said this to you guys before, but I'm at the point with like Marvel movies where it's like, oh, I'll watch them. I'm not above watching them, but I think I'm, now that they've made it through all the top tier ones, the Spider-Man is an, except, an exception. I will see that in the theater once it's not too crowded. But um, for the most part, I'm kind of good waiting for Disney Plus to get these movies. And Shang-Chi was like one of those movies where I was like, oh, I'm glad I waited. I'm glad I didn't spend like $25 on a ticket and popcorn and whatever. Uh, but it was. But I'm still glad I watched it. Um, so it was solid. I'd give it a. I'd give it a B. Now that sounds rough because I really shit on Spencer. Spencer's a B minus. Shang Chi, I guess I have to give it a B, B B plus. But remember, Spencer is a critique, but the movie itself is not terrible. But I just, I think I was still annoyed with Jackie, and was just blaming it. So, uh, uh, as wide a difference between B and B minus as is possible is what I'd give those two movies. And then uh, today, Sunday, I saw House of Gucci, um, which I actually kind of wanted to see. The reviews came out early and were like hammering it. But until that, I was just like, well, I, I like Ridley Scott movies. And I, um, I liked um, The Last Duel was another Ridley Scott movie that came out earlier this year. That was very, very good. Um, but House of Gucci, I was like, eh, it's Lady Gaga coming off a, coming off a Star is Born. You got Adam Driver, uh, Al Pacino, Jeremy Irons, big cast, big uh, Jared Leto, big cast, big director, big story. And I'm going to tell you, I think the critics were uh, sort of wrong, if I can be honest, I, I, or at least the ones I saw. I don't know what the, the aggregate score for the movie is. Now, to give some backdrop, uh, my favorite movie of 2019, my number one movie of 2019 was The Irishman. I saw it in the theater with my mom and then watched it with the, the Righteous GF on, uh, on Netflix. So I, I sat through that movie twice and I loved it. I really did. Like I know some people were like, eh, it's okay. But I, I thought it was awesome. Like, like one of his best. I'm not even kidding. I think it was one of Scorsese's best movies. I, I just, I was so into it. I liked the epic scope. I felt like it was big movie making and it was Pacino, De Niro and Pesci at least bringing it and Maniscalco by the way but they were bringing it it wasn't like one of those bad movies like Righteous Kill from 2014 where it was like De Niro, Pacino getting a paycheck and doing a shitty job I thought it was great The Irishman so it was my number one movie 2019 it got a bunch of nominations won nothing but it was but it was acknowledged as a, as a strong movie and this movie, House of Gucci, could have been called The Italian Men because it felt like The Irishman. It was an hour shorter, but it felt longer, to be honest. But that's not me saying it was bad. The problem is it had this sort of epic, long story scope, but not a ton of stuff happening unless you just kind of like solid acting. So like The Irishman was this long epic movie with like a hundred murders interspersed and like aging special effects and things like that. Whereas House of Gucci ends with like one famous murder, 
but the whole movie is just a buildup. But it's of like this relationship and this family and how basically the money and power just starts to eat at each person when they get involved with with. But it was Tom Ford, by the way, comes off aces in this movie. I, I had no idea he was the guy who basically came in as a young designer and saved Gucci. But if you're Tom Ford, you got to feel pretty great when this movie's up. You're like, yeah, Gucci, an iconic brand. Guess what? It was almost going to die. And then a young Texas designer showed up and flipped the script. The rest is history. Suck my dick. Not afraid of going for dick sucking after saving an iconic brand. Um, but I really, I liked the movie. I kind of, maybe I'm my, I am one of my, maybe, I am one of those old fogies now who complains about young people and their lack of attention and all that shit. But I, you know, between this and the last duel, it's, I like being able to see some movie that's like good actors and a big adult story that isn't all special effects. I like those movies too, but it, but it, but it, it feels good to kind of see like a big budget. Like it's not just like from A24, we present <laughs> two actors who you only know if you're a pretentious film student doing powerful Meisner work in a movie called Acting Craft Boring You to Death. Nominated for 11 Gotham nominations, 17 Oscars, nine people saw it. Available only on Discovery Plus for three days. See it now. The movie of the hour. Um, so it's good to see like big actors signing on to do like a big movie that's not a pre-existing brand and it's like made for adults. It's not all family stuff and it's not like, you know, but anyway, you, you get my point if I'm making it inarticulately. But I thought it was too long, but I still was like, that was pretty good. But I was getting hungry, and we had IHOP before the movie. Went to a matinee, like 11 a.m. show. So we had I worked out, bro, at 7 a.m., had a protein shake, then had IHOP, three pancakes, and two sausage links. Can you believe it? This is a, a once mountain, mighty mountain of a man who, without thinking, would enter an IHOP, whether I was in college shape or heart attack COVID shape, and I'd be like, stack of five, four sausage links, and you know what? pancake wench throw in a vanilla milkshake and I would scarf that down and it wouldn't even register me that I had just give it, gotten myself closer to a heart attack and eaten my entire day's allotment of calories until I was walking home now what I do is I go I'll have a short stack because I'm a cuck bitch and no need for the four sausage links I'll just have two I just want a taste of sausage I don't need the a full order like I'm a grown-up Give me the kid's sausage order, the bitch pancake order, and you know what? Just some water because I don't want the extra joy of a milkshake. So I had that, but given and then walked two miles to the theater in cold. So like I was burning up calories between the workout and the, and the bitch ass portions and the walk to the theater. So by like two hours into House of Gucci, I was like, should I go get popcorn even though that will inter eat into my noom calorie allotment? And I said, nah, don't do it. So the hunger was eating me. Or as Eddie Money would say, I got a hunger. It's a hunger. First line, uh, comedian, former comedian Brett Anderson, who now I think lives in the West Coast, he had a joke about uh, Take Me Home Tonight where he said, the first, there's some bad lyrics in music, even in songs I like. And he said, the first, the first line of Eddie Money's Take Me Home Tonight, I feel a hunger, it's a hunger. 
and then you would go. So you're telling me, in fact, Eddie, that the hunger you're feeling is, just for clarification's sake, a hunger? Okay, gotcha. Just It's not one of those hungers that's not a hunger. It, in fact, is a hunger. Thank you. Um, oh, yes, I would have killed myself. Not literally, David. Not literally. We're waiting until half blackface becomes an undeserved failure. Then I have your permission. No. Okay, so House of Gucci, basically, uh, now that I've remembered the last thing I want to talk about. House of Gucci, um, overall, I think it's a good movie. I think a lot of people might say it's kind of boring. It's too long. And it kind of is, but I still liked it because it was like big, good actors doing big, good acting. And like I was learning. I felt like I was just learning about this family. You know what I mean? So it was more like if I was in like, if I was like a student in a fashion school and like our teacher was hung over and they were like, today, guys, we're just going to watch House of Gucci instead of learning about history of fashion. I'd be like, ooh, this is like informative and also very entertaining. Um, so I liked it. Uh, it, but it was long. It was too long, but I, but I still think it was a good movie. So whatever, take that review. It's the best of the three movies that I just mentioned seeing this weekend. So take that for, for whatever you want. But now I remember the last thing I want to talk about. I would have been so pissed if I had forgotten. But last night I was watching some shows and we were watching this Paramount Plus South Park movie, which I didn't, it was okay. Um, like they have a new exclusive South Park, like post COVID special. It was, it had some funny parts, but some of it I was, I was like, uh, it's only an hour. It feels a little longer than that, which is never a good sign. But in between, I just got on this like hook of playing like 80s music on the Alexa and then on my on, on YouTube on the smart TV. And I remembered a song. Now, for those of you that remember uh, the time before iPods and even uh, not Napster, but the time before iPods and, and streaming music, really uh, time life used to always offer or different. There'd be different compilations like now. That's what I call music still comes out. But those were one of the first ones for the, the mother load. Uh, of those albums because they were like the doo-wop songs those there were ones geared towards like your parents in the 90s 80s and 90s and then there was like nothing really geared towards you and then in the 2000s or whatever now that's what i call music started coming out but the one that was the big dog was monster ballads because when they ran that commercial it was half of them were from groups that you heard of and like their ballads heaven by warrant and and every rose has its thorn poison those kind of songs but then there'd be those songs like When I'm With You by Sheriff where you're like, that's who the fuck sang that? And you're like, oh my God, that song's fucking amazing. Oh, I remember that. And they'd play the chorus and you'd be like, I never knew what the fuck the name of that song was. I would just hear it on the radio and be like, baby, yeah. And you're like, oh my God, yes. Yes, Monster Ballads. You've done what I, you know, Monster Ballads occupies this there'll probably be like a documentary on Netflix one day about Monster Ballads, but it occupied this sweet spot right before the internet ruined art and music. and it, But it was also not one of those lame album compilations where like, who are these people? I don't know what this is. Monster Ballads was like the apex of the order on TV album. So I ordered it, listened to it, became very popular among, I, uh, among my friends in college. Some of my friends in college and my friend Matt one time said to me, we would discuss the different songs on the albums. And he said, no, you got to listen to track. I think he said it was like track 11. It's amazing. And like on one of the discs. Now, whatever track it was, the song he had told me I needed to give a try to was Steelheart, I'll Never Let You Go. Now, Steelheart is just a, a wonderfully cliche sounding 80s hair metal band so, like sounding name. 
But this song, I'll never, I'm telling you guys, go get the, watch the official video. This guy is all 80s, just big locks of curly golden hair, shirt tucked in, but it appears only the bottom button of his button down uh, works because it's just all chest and torso. This guy, and Righteous Girlfriend is so goddamn tired of me doing this, but my fetish because I think it applies to me. So it's a self-serving fetish. It's the, it's the artistic equivalent of Patrick Bateman staring at himself flexing in the mirror while having sex with a woman, is what I'm about to tell you, the equivalent of that in art. I have a thing for people who seem to be so much better than where they ended up in music or acting or whatever. The lead singer for Steelheart is some Croatian-American dude from Connecticut. Like, we went on a deep dive on Wikipedia. And this dude's vocals on this song are off the fucking charts. Like, I don't know how he does it. It's, and I know, yes, of course, some studio work, etc. But But this dude was so... He sounded at times almost like a guitar in the high notes. And it is, it is just a, a it, it feels almost like this band. And I, I, if I could do a side podcast or if I could become truly successful, like with sustained success in comedy or, or instead of getting like a thousand listeners for Righteous Brick, I had 80,000 or 100,000 listeners I would want to do either an offshoot or just a series of like Patreon content where I talk to people where I say, you thought you should have been bigger than this, right? Because you should have. Because that's basically my entire life force is that attitude. Justifiably, I think we'd all agree. If you're listening to this podcast, you definitely agree with me. Not many other people, though, do. It seems. It would seem. But uh, they're wrong, but it would seem that they don't agree. But this guy... Steelheart, I'll never let you go. And you got to stay till the end because he goes, he just takes it up to that next arrogant level at the very end of the song, which does remind me of a a story I told many years ago, I believe, um, on the previous iteration of the Righteous Brick podcast. When I went to a church, a Catholic church in Tampa, right near the Tampa Improv for Sunday evening vigil mass, and church was like 25% full. And... I actually teared up at the end of the mass. The guy singing was so good. The voice was so pure and so powerful. And I, it, it made me just reassess why, why someone should do art. Because obviously if you're an atheist or not afraid of ignoring church hymns or anything, it may not hit you the same way. But uh, as I've discussed with uh, old friend Mike, Mike uh, Payne, a.k.a. Panye, Panye West, uh, who old listeners of the show would remember our episodes, um, he, uh, you know, his, his sister's a nun, he's an atheist, but he appreciates and understands that if you have a legitimate faith, those are profound and admirable sacrifices. If, if you accept that, like, what they're doing is from a place of deep sacrifice and belief and not just, oh, you're dumb for doing that. Like there is a, if you believe something is truly right and you're willing to sacrifice it, there is a, there is a neutral admirability, uh, admirability uh, to that sacrifice. And uh, I don't know why I just went off on that. Oh no, but, but seeing this guy singing in church where I was like, you should have a recording deal. 
like your voice was pure. Like you, you, I left your singing feeling like slightly more restored in my faith. That's, that's a powerful gift. And you're doing it for uh, 65 people um, on a Saturday evening in Tampa, Florida. It seems like um, an obscure use of your talent. And yet at the same time, it's an incredibly profound and beautiful use of your talent. Because if you are somebody of faith, what could be a better usage of your talent than sharing it in a faith space and moving people to to feel a deeper connection that 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 in many ways is obviously much more valuable than a record contract or fame or any of that um if you you, if you get i think you get my drift so that got me thinking about that but this guy from steel the song the singing is from the guy in steelheart and then uh during our wikipedia search it was like yes he's he's still very big in south korea and i was like whatever i would love to be big anywhere in the world. I don't care if they're like, uh, you know, Afghanistan, your numbers for righteous prick are through the roof. So we're going to put you on a men only cave tour in Afghanistan. And I would just be out there doing the cave tour. Um, but Steelheart, I'll never let you go. I was just I just I watched the video twice. I was like, this guy, he's like flaunting his vocals. It was like, this is too easy. And I would love to ask the band. It's like, let's be honest, guys. When you got Bregg, I think his first name's Michael, but then he has one of those names that's like Slovakiki or whatever. Slovavich. But you're like, there's no V or C or H in your name. How do you get Slovavich? But you get what I'm saying. Um, if you're in his band and you're just playing bass or drums, you're like, oh my God, we're going to be the biggest fucking bit. We have the secret weapon. Like we have the Frankie Valley of rock ballads, just a high pitched, angelic, unique voice that will change our lives. And then I think they had like two hits. And the only one I really know is, is I'll never let you go. But amazing, just amazing. And, but the real amazing thing was how I made it about me, where I was like, this guy is like the me of power ballads. Talent that is so good, it's somehow being overlooked. <laughs> ah. But yeah, um, that was, uh, I guess that's it. That's, I'm just glad I remembered to talk about that because I was just like, yeah, that movie, that, 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 mu- that song and that, that dude's vocals are just like in an instrument range. And if you watch the video, obviously he's not singing it live in the video, but it, it is, I wonder if it's one of those things, like sometimes people don't like athletes who don't look like they're trying hard. Like they're like, I don't know if he makes an effort. And it's like, no, maybe it's just easy and he just does what he has to do. But this guy, I could see record like labels just being like, yeah, dude, your voice is great. We get it. Now fuck off. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's all. That's all I've got for you this week. So I'll put this one up early so I can space it out. So I would encourage you guys, hopefully if you see me, um, on Instagram, Facebook, and or Twitter. Uh, I will share links to all the podcasts I'm on. But the music podcast, I don't know when that goes up. They might be banking episodes, so I can't, I can't guarantee it'll go up this week. Maybe, maybe it'll go up in a few weeks. But we're talking Guns N' Roses, so that should be fun. Uh, they're my favorite band of all time. And you should obviously be supporting uh, Making Podcasts Great Again as well as Pete Dominic's show and Rod's show, two, my two daily podcasts I listen to. Pete sort of 
news and social commentary, and Rod is just sort of all of the above, news, politics, entertainment, um, just just both great shows. So The Black Guy Who Tips and Stand Up with Pete Dominic. I will be on both of those shows this week. Um, obviously, I have my two shows, and uh, I believe it's called Name Your Band. I don't know when that episode will actually air, but we're recording it tonight. So uh, just keep a lookout for that. And, of course, please, 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 please get tickets to see me. Uh, it'll be fun, I swear. Southern California, Northern California, Chicago, multiple Pennsylvania. We got Pittsburgh and Harrisburg. And uh, is that it? Probably it, right? I think that's it. And D.C., of course, D.C. So thank you, guys. Uh, hope you had great Thanksgivings. Um, and uh, I guess that's it. So this isn't coming out on a Tuesday, but I will see you next Tuesday. Black and Black.